there, all you Paladino Live lovers. Yes, we are back after a one-week hiatus during the website construction on thesportstuff.com. I figured, hey, don't oversaturate things as Dylan has enough on his plate. And the site appears to be back up and running again, full circle. And, hey, as Gopher hockey fans would say, it always was full strength, always were, you know, when the opponent's power play is over. But anyhow, I digress. As Paladino Live does return, I also was sick last week. I didn't really want to be on this here um, sniffling and coughing and and wheezing and all that good stuff. So that's not exactly the best radio. But once again, we're going to talk Minnesota Wild. We are going to talk Minnesota Timberwolves and possibly throw in some other small topics here and there. And uh, it's great to be back, first and foremost, on thesportstuff.com. We do have... A call-in line. The number is 916-912-4623. That is 916-912-4263. Please call in. It is a voicemail line. Let them know which show you are addressing, and then name your topic. Do your opining on there. Talk about how great we are, how bad we, we suck. No, more of more or less how bad our team sucks or how great they are. So um, ultimately, though, this is a great website. It is great to be here. And Paladino Live does have a YouTube, a site I do plan on getting back to work on. It's been about two months since I've done a video, other than my little podcasting video, per se, where I would, you know, it's, it's a little ad about my podcast saying, hey, I'm on the sportstuff.com. Check me out. I finally have a radio show. But uh, now. Ultimately, that website can be found at youtube.com forward slash Paladino Joe, ah, Paladin Joe, forward youtube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. Also, I have a email. It is paladinolive at yahoo.com. That's right, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Please do feel free to send me an email, and I will bring it up on the show. Talk about sports or anything, even bring up politics here and there. Hey, you know, I wouldn't mind throwing a little politics into the show here and there, as it is an election year. It is a leap year. It is all that good stuff. But also, ultimately, don't forget, though, I do have Yahoo and AIM, Paladino Live. One word, lowercase, Paladino Live. And um, I would like to hear from you. I'm more than welcome. You're more than welcome to. Hop in and opine on this show. Let me know how I'm doing, uh, what I can improve on, what you like, what you dislike, all that good stuff. You know, I'd be, it'd be great to hear from any and all of you out there. But ultimately, please, out there, if you do like these shows, and um, I encourage you, please go to sportsstuff.com and get a stream name and talk to us on the message boards because we all would love to get to know you. We're uh, Good group of guys. We love to talk about sports. We like to debate. We like to do all that thing. So please, please, please get a screen name. We need more members on this site. It is time to get things a-rolling. And out there who, all those of you out there who haven't heard, I do have a iTunes. This is, this Paladino Live is on iTunes. Just type in Paladino space live. Paladino Live. It's two words on YouTube. Look me up and subscribe. Obviously, it is free, so it doesn't cost you anything. Just as long as you have iTunes on your computer, you will be getting an update every single time my show is updated on uh, 
on on iTunes. So, which happens you know, not too long after the show is recorded. So, again, please give me feedback. Give thesportstuff.com feedback. Tell us how you feel, you know. Give us some good feedback, hopefully, as I'm assuming you will. Now, on to the actual show. It is time to talk Minnesota Wild. We are going to start off about the Minnesota Wild, and it was a negative week. The last week, not good at all. The Wild, very disappointing. As most importantly, yesterday they lose again to the hated Calgary Flames. Oh, I just can't stand the Calgary Flames. A team I used to love back when the North Stars were here in Minnesota back in the early 90s and, and earlier. Calgary Flames defeat the Wild and take first place away. They now lead the Northwest Division with 74 points. The Wild have 73. The Vancouver Canucks have 72. The Colorado Avalanche have 68. And even the Edmonton Oilers very much alive with 61 points, despite a below 500 record. They are only 12 points behind the Wild, and we all know how quickly things can change in this National Hockey League. As the Wild just lose a couple games, and they had, they once had a six-point lead on this division. You know, it was maybe a week ago or less. They have lost three games in a row. As uh, First of all, last week, on the 17th of February, they did beat the Nashville Predators 5-4, to but then followed with a loss to the Vancouver Canucks, the hated Canucks in overtime, 3-2. to the following night at Chicago, they lose three to nothing. The Wild lose three to nothing at Chicago. Pathetic, absolutely pathetic. Then they get three days off to play a nice Sunday matinee game at home against the Calgary Flames. Should rev it up, you know, ready to go, baby. Let's kick these guys' butts. It's time to show these guys who's the better team. Oh, well, I guess Calgary's the better team. So because we lost two to one yesterday with a just another frustrating. Uh, job. You know, the Wild did get several shots on goal yesterday, but um, just didn't get it done as usual. But first of all, we're going to go into that Nashville game. I'm getting ahead of myself. No surprise there. As uh, Gabrick scored a goal in overtime in an exciting game, it seems every time the Wild play against the Nashville Predators, it is an exciting game with a lot of goals, When which is funny because when you think Nashville and you think Minnesota, you think defensive teams, you know, defensive gritty teams that got kind of grinded out, they're not really a high-speed, high-caliber type of, you know, matchup. But for some reason, it ends up that way. As a yes, 5-4. to four. Marion Gabrick, two goals and an assist in that game. Phenomenal game for Marion Gabrick as he continues to lead the Wild in scoring. Uh, the other players who played well, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, a goal and assist. So Pierre-Marc Bouchard has been, was very good in that game along with Kim Janssen and Pavel Dimitra, who also had two assists apiece. Pateri Numelin returns from his hiatus, scores a goal. Mark Parrish scores a goal, and along with, I guess that's all, all it for goals, uh, Eric Belanger got the got a single assist, So and Koivu got a single assist. So those are the, all the points in the game. More of the kind of game you like to see out of the wild, where they're, you know, they're a team you could believe is got a lot of offensive potential. I mean, you really... They have tons of young talent on this team who are actually quite quick. They're good passers, and they're goal scorers. But for some reason, it just seems like a reserved offense under Jacques Lemaire, as um, not everybody thinks that he's the best coach for this team, despite his amazing resume and his, his just, you know, 
He's just got championships all over him as a player and as a coach. He's just been a, a legend for the NHL. But for some reason, it seems like at this point, he's kind of holding back this offense a little. And um, I'm kind of neutral on that. I think Lemaire is a great coach and deserves to be a head coach on this team as long as he likes. But um, at the same time, you know, the curiosity does hit me a little bit, uh, how a more offensive-minded coach would perform here and how the players would perform under an offensive-minded coach. Would Marion Gabrick be as good as uh, Ovechkin or, or Sidney Crosby? Would he, would he be as good as them? Uh, it's like probably not, but would he be right up there, you know, with the top five or six players in the league? Well, maybe. If he could stay healthy, of course, as that's always been a question mark with him. You know, would Koivu had 70 or 80 points every year rather than 50, 60-ish, along with Pierre-Marc Bouchard, the young, talented, but short Pierre-Marc Bouchard, who has got, you know, stick-handling skills that are just amazing. I love watching him play. Uh, other than that, you know, it, there's always a question mark with his team. And uh, there is pretty much your highlight of the week, the very first day of the week, Sunday. <laughs> As after that, the Wild pretty much stunk. <clears throat> As the next game was Tuesday, the 19th against the Vancouver Canucks, a team, you know, that me and my friend Tuniverse, Paul Tuniverse Caniff, <laughs> we end up calling them the, the Ken something, you know, a word that I can't say on here. I could, but I choose not to, I guess you could say. As we just do not like the Canucks at all, along with the Anaheim Mighty something. <laughs> so... Just can't stand those teams. Marion Gabrick, though, got his 33rd goal of the year in the game to open things up. Unfortunately, Matt Cook quickly ties the game after that. And um, after that, uh, just Wild do take another lead, but then they lose it, and they lose in overtime. It's just another frustrating game for the Wild against the hated Vancouver Canucks. And by the way, that was another home game for the Wild. They face 37 shots and only put up 22. It's just typical wild game. They give up. I mean, they give up a lot of shots and only take a couple. It's just it's a it's a reserved offense. And yeah, it's frust- frustrating a lot of fans as people are again questioning the coaching and the approach of this team. But it's not necessarily just the coach. Obviously, the players have to perform. You know, if it's a great team, it's a great team. That's what counts. Marion Gabrick, yeah, again, got the goal. Parrish, though, surprisingly. Here's the surprising stat of the game. Mark Parrish with two assists. Because <laughs> earlier in the year, Mark Parrish opened the season with six goals and no assists. Now, finally, he's almost his assist total is almost equal with his goals. He's got 15 goals and 13 assists for 28 points. Mark Parrish, eh, you know, not quite the offensive player I thought he was. I thought he was a 50-60 point guy. It looks like he's just a 30-40 to 40 point guy a year. You know, he's probably going to get about maybe 40 points this year. Maybe. And, uh, you know, like, Lemaire loves him because he's a defensive player. And Here's the thing, though, about the Wild. It seems that that's all they are. Defensive player, defensive forward, defensive forward, defensive forward, defensive forward. You know, where's the, you know, where's the offensive approach? I'd like to see a little more of that. But that's not going to happen. Uh, Belanger getting the other goal in the game. Eric Belanger, a guy who's kind of starting to face a little criticism of late, as he had the hot start and a, a swoon, a midseason swoon, pretty much. As it seems a lot of wild newcomers do that. They start out hot and uh, kind of get kind of get weak for a while. You know, along with Aaron Voros. I don't know when the last time Aaron Voros has scored. He still has 13 points, seven goals, six assists. The big guy, Aaron Voros, who is uh, 
usually out there more or less nowadays to just knock somebody around with a six foot four, two hundred and five pound frame. Uh, you know, other than that, it's just kind of same old story with the wild. Just another kind of lame loss at home. It's for for some strange reason, that whole home home game stuff with the wild has been kind of disappearing of late, despite the team's improved record. And uh, the next game, just another disgusting game, kind of like the Dallas Stars game a few weeks back, the one to nothing game. The Wild lose three to nothing, three to nothing. Uh, and just when you see the kind of players that scored in this game, uh, Patrick Kane, eh, that's okay, 14 goals. He's not the worst player ever, but then, like, Dave Bolland, I don't even know who that is, got his second goal of the year. Second, there you go, buddy. And then he got his third goal. Woohoo! So, you know, a guy gets a second and third goal of the season against you? Okay. Well, good job, guys. I appreciate it. So now I'm going to click on Dave Bolland's numbers here. He is a youngster, obviously. He's only played in 25 games this year, so that's part of the reason, I guess, but I don't know. It's, why can't the Wild just perform better against teams like Chicago, who have virtually no chance to make a playoff run, you know, that I can really see in the insanely difficult Western Conference. Chicago's the 13th seed with 64 points, nothing special. You know, I, I guess they're a little better than Edmonton, but still, I just... Eh, you know, Chicago's not going anywhere. Um, it's frustrating to see the Wild lose a game like that to a team that's not that great. Uh, Nikolai Habibulin is a great goalie, and he faced 38 shots. 38. So the Wild did put the puck on net, apparently, but it just, just didn't get it done. Josh Harding giving up three goals in that game, so... It's pretty much a lame effort by the Wild altogether. Ralston, five shots on goal. Shepard, five shots on goal. But, yeah, no production. Ultimately, nothing in that game. It looks like a lot of guys had some funny playing playing time in this game, or ice time, I guess they call it. Uh, only certain players got tons of playing time, it looks like here. Uh, Brent Burns, 25 minutes. He was the highest played guy, and I can understand that being the best defenseman on the team. Ralston, 21 minutes for Ralston. Uh, Shepard only on the ice for 11 minutes, yet mustered seven or five shots on goal. Hmm. So that's an interesting stat line when you look at that. Uh, Demetra, 21 minutes. Demetra? Hmm. Because he's one of the few players that, you know, Holomir is always defense, defense, defense. Well, Demetra is not exactly a defensive player. To be honest, you know, Gabrick's a better defensive player than Pavel Dimitra, for one. And also, Dimitra is one of those guys, he's just, I don't know, he's, he's he gets hurt very easily. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Again, the Wild, three days off. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all off. And then yesterday's game, the highlight, you know, the game of the week, you could call it, for the Wild. Minnesota-Calgary, 1 o'clock Central Time. A nice, cool matinee game on a Sunday afternoon. And... It just, uh, things just didn't go our way at all, as Calgary scores relatively early in the first period, and, uh, well, not, it was about halfway through, I guess you could say, and then same case, second period, about halfway through, so a while, just two to nothing going into the third period, not good news at all. Karras scores in the game, he scores very early in the game, or in the period, with only 30 seconds, 38 seconds into the period, his 15th goal of the year. 
assisted by Miko Koivu on the power play. But that was it. Just same crap, different different day. Here, here's the thing that I don't get at all. Look at this. 39 shots by the Wild versus 16 by Calgary. And we only muster one goal and they get two. Wow, I don't understand. It's just typical Calgary. And the good part is the part that is somewhat, you know, makes you feel a teeny bit better is that at least Jerome McGinley didn't get two or three goals again. I just can't stand Jerome McGinley. I can't stand him because every time the Wild play him, he kills us. Every time. And it, it gets old. He's by far the all-time leading scorer against the Minnesota Wild. He did get the assist, though, like, and it was pretty much his play on that first goal by Damon Langkow of the Calgary Flames in the first period. It was he centered the puck, centered it, centering pass, and uh, Langkow put it right on in. It's just, and that's another play I almost never see from the Wild. That's what I was saying to myself yesterday while watching the game. You never even see centering passes with this team, almost. Or every time there is a centering pass, nobody's there. It's like, what's going on? Is our team so reserved? That people can't even crash the net at all. I mean, come on, people, step it up. So really, there's a little bit of you know frustration is starting to mount. And as I close on the wild, the trade deadline, the NHL trade deadline is tomorrow. And there are rumors that the wild are going to make a big splash. Unfortunately, the last couple of days, it has been very quiet. And... Um, in the past, when when things are quiet, nothing happens. So uh, let's hope to God that something is in the works. Um, ultimately, i got to pause here real quick. I apologize. I had a phone ringing in the background, so hopefully that's off the uh, program here a little bit anyway, for the most part. Um, but as I was getting into, the name that was floating around is Marion Hosta, who is a very close friend to Marion Gabrick and Pavel Dimitra, as they are all from Slovenia. And it would be really awesome to have a top line of Marion Gabrick, Pavel Dimitra, and Marion Hosta. Marion Hosta is on the Atlanta Thrashers, and in, I believe it is 60 games. Yes, 60 games for Marion Hosta this year. He has scored 56 points. He's not having his best year ever, but there is talk about how he is unhappy there, and he would like to move on. The Atlanta Thrashers are the kind of team, there's just, they're not really going anywhere, once again. So I apologize, Thrasher fans out there who might not like my comment. But um, here's the thing. It's, uh, Hosta's numbers are still very good. I mean, they're actually not too far behind Marion Gabrick's numbers this year. But um, the thing is, look at Marion Hosta's production the previous two years. With Atlanta, 92 points in 2005-2006, along with 100 points last year. 43 goals, 57 assists for Marion Hosa, a winger who would go great among Gabrick and Demetra. Uh, Hosa played the first seven years of his career with Ottawa before being created to Atlanta for Danny Heatley. And uh, before that, he was also very talented as uh, 2000, 2001 looked like a breakout year for him. 75 points the next year, 66. 80 points the next year, 82, and then, of course, the two phenomenal years of Atlanta following that. So, Marion Hosa, who is, oh, about six months older than myself, so he is 29 years old, still very 
much young enough to play for many more years in the National Hockey League. It would just be a dream to have Hosa and Demetra along with Gabby as they are all close friends and they play very well together as they did in the World Championships a few years back. But now we are going to close on the wild in hopes of landing Marion Hosa. Oh, I just, it's just, that's what I'm going to be dreaming about tonight. Bring in Marion. Marion and Marion together. But yeah, we are going to close on the wild and move on to the wolves. We will be right back. And I have returned super duper quickly, as all I have to do is pretty much press the pause button. Um, and uh, we are going to talk wolves now. And the one good thing out of um, skipping last week's show, so episode four being pushed to this week, is I didn't have to talk about the dreaded all-star game and the fact that there were hardly any games the previous week. As I just I don't care about the all-star game anymore. I you know, it was good back in the day, and obviously there's been no, there's no, well, there was no Wolf this year, even though I strongly believe Al Jefferson should have, should have made it, at least have been very close to making it, instead of maybe a David West or something. It's like Charlotte's got enough players there. It's put in, uh, you know, Chris Paul's the only guy that really super-duper matters, you know, when it comes to, like, being a superstar on Charlotte, or Charlotte, did I call him Charlotte? The New Orleans Hornets? I'm still used to calling them the Charlotte, so that would be cool if they were still there. But, um, yeah, Chris Paul is the super-duper star. David West is a decent player, but not, like, an all-star, in my opinion. I think L. Jefferson's more of the real deal. Um, anyhow, let's stop talking about the all-star game and uh, move on. There were just two games this last week. The first one was a 104-88 win versus the Philadelphia 76ers, so that was very good news. Um, this was also the last game before the trade deadline, as I will get into that very soon. Uh, the Wolves again beat Philadelphia here in Minnesota. Al Jefferson with 19 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, and 1 block. So another great, another good game for Al Jefferson. He only played 30 minutes, so being it was a fairly strong lead for the Timberwolves, I believe, you know, the, uh, the Wolves giving Jefferson a break there. And uh, Randy Foy, I believe this was his first start of the season. First or second start, I can't remember, and I apologize. He starts along Sebastian Telfair, as I believe he was pretty much the shooting guard. Telfair's, you know, a true point guard, so that's kind of how we're going to go for now. I remember they were hinting that in the past, how put Randy Foy at off guard and Telfair at at, uh, point. So I give it a shot and see what happens. And, uh, yeah, it worked on this night. Telfair, 10 points, only four assists. Actually, Randy Foy had more assists than um, Telfair with five, so that's kind of an interesting line. you got a couple of, guy, a couple of guys in the backcourt who, who can both pass, so that's good news. Uh, Ryan Gomes, a solid game, 12 points, six rebounds, three assists. Pretty much an average game for Ryan Gomes. That's about exactly what he does, you know, 12 points, six rebounds. So only in another 0 for 3 night from three-point range, so Ryan Gomes' three-point shot is starting to kind of, he's starting to kind of lose that a little bit, as uh, his three-point percentage has dropped now to 32% from, I believe it was around 35-ish before, so yeah, he's losing a little bit of that outside touch, and uh, Corey Brewer was the other starter at small forward, only 18 minutes, or 56 seconds, so really 19 minutes, I should say, four points, eight rebounds, though but only one of eight from the floor, along with two assists and a block. 
No steals, unfortunately. Gomes did have two steals, I should mention, and Telfair two steals. So, yeah, the guard's doing well. Marco Yarish, surprisingly, also two assists, or steals, sorry. Along with two assists, I might as well say that. Uh, yeah, it was a good game for the Wolves as they played a team that's not so great. Only 23-32, and 32, not a great team in the 76ers, despite having solid players on their roster, along with Andre Miller, Willie Green, D'Alembert, and Iguodala, players I all like. So none of them are really major major players that are going to take a team to the next level. So they need to make some more moves via free agency or the draft, of course, just like the Wolves. Uh, but really one of the players of the game on this night was sixth man. Now that's what he's becoming, Rashad McCants, off the bench, 20 points, five assists in this game. Very solid. Unfortunately, two or two or uh, five personal fouls, so... That's a negative. His plus-minus was 11, and he was 3 of 5 from three-point range. So, very good game for Rashad McCants. He also shot over 50% in the game, 8 for 15. Uh, yeah, I mean, McCants, I think that's who he is. I think that's who the Wolves, I think that's how That's how they should play Rashad McCants. He is the kind of guy you want off the bench. You want to have, right now, Telfair and Foy together. At this point in time, even though I don't really see Telfair as a long-term solution at the starting point guard position, I really hope that the Wolves can land a mega star point guard in the draft with the first through first through fifth pick, as that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in that little bracket. That's the highest bracket there is, I believe. It's the first three picks are in that position, as we are ranked number two right now when it comes to the draft lottery odds. Um, that's what we need to get. We need to get a point guard or a center, of course. But it, when when you look at this, though, Al Jefferson has been playing center pretty much the whole year because uh, Theo Ratliff out the whole year because just same old crap. This year it was a knee injury. Last year it was a back, and the year before it was a back, I believe. It's always something with the Ratliff, and now obviously he's getting old and he's not in our long-term plans, I wouldn't think. So uh, I, I think Jefferson has been doing very well at the center position. He's basically another Amari Stoudemire. So like how Stoudemire was the center in Phoenix until he finally got Shaquille O'Neal a week or a, a week and change ago, two weeks ago, whatever. So um, you can get away with putting a power forward at the center position in this 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 era. Like 10, 15 years ago in the David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, uh, you know, Shaq still, Hakeem Olajuwon era. You couldn't get away. You couldn't get away with it. Those guys would eat an Al Jefferson alive because they're just bigger, you know, and they're they're natural centers. Um, then again, it would have been more of a Garnett or Stoudemire getting eaten alive. I think Jefferson's a little more of a true post up kind of guy. But yeah, still, he's only six six foot ten. So those guys would shoot over him. Nowadays, you have several guys playing the center. I mean, you even have had. Uh, even had Boris Diaw play center a couple times in Phoenix, which I thought made no sense. He's kind of a small forward, but, but hey, they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, the 76ers game, just, an, just a nice game for the Wolves. They finally played up to their potential, kind of, and got it done. But then the next game is, you could call the game of the week, the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, one of my least favorite players in the entire league, as I have just developed a very strong dislike for him. Manu Ginobili scores 44 points in the game, including the game-winning shot. Big surprise there that 
That guy just he he never misses. And I know that sounds almost like whining and all that good stuff, but I mean, ugh, I just I just don't like him. He gets in my nerves. He's a chippy player who flops. So I saw a lot of that on the message boards here on thesportstuff.com. There, you know, a lot of other people are spouting off about Ginobili. Is yeah, he's an annoying player. He gets on people's nerves the way he, the way he just he flops, and the way he just kind of has a to me he has kind of a cocky look on his face, and he just he just he plays an arrogant game. He touches the ball if he's got just a foot in front of him. You know, from the defender to him, oh, he's going to jack up that three because, oh, I can make it, you know. And then, the, of course, the SOB does make it, especially against the Wolves. Is this year the insane statistic of the year? Manu Ginobili was shooting 73% from three-point range against the Wolves this year. Ridiculous. He's he's a, he's a Timberwolf killer. You know, not that it takes much right now. That's pretty much you need a fly swatter to kill the Timberwolves this year. But um, still, it drives me nuts. Is the Wolves... Outplayed the Spurs the entire game. The entire game. And uh, it was all Manu Ginobili, who, you know, was in his pain-in-the-ass fashion. Every single time the Wolves were doing well, just bloop, Ginobili for three again. Same crap. So, uh, I, Ginobili, I can't stand you. Go away. Retire. We're sick of you. Go play in wherever. Somewhere else, maybe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's not a personal attack. I'm just playing, kind of. Uh, Duncan, of course, another player I don't like. As The Spurs are my least favorite team in the league now. As I've just had enough of them. They need to go away. They really do, because I think they're a bunch of... Uh, I don't know. They've they've grown arrogant over the years. Like, years ago, you, you got the feeling that, you know, they were more or less just a talented team who got it done. You know, they played hard against teams. They play tough defense and all that good stuff and get it done. They beat kind of cocky teams like the Lakers in the Shaq and Kobe era. And you almost prefer to see that over seeing Kobe dancing around thinking he's Michael Jordan. But, uh, yeah, nowadays I'd rather see the Lakers beat the Spurs at this point because uh, I just they I just I'm sick of them, really sick of them. They're kind of the Yankees of uh, the New York Yankees of basketball now. Uh, I won't miss them when they're when they're old and retired. To be honest with you, it's obviously Bruce Bowen, another guy I can't stand. He he had no points in the game. He was over three from three point ranges. Bowen's another guy who can kill you with that three point shot because that's the only shot he has. Uh, as I believe his three point shot, three point field goal percentage has been higher than his field goal percentage the last several years. And uh, yeah, that's the truth. This well, not entirely true. It's close. This year it is ahead, forty percent from three point range, thirty nine from uh, just regular shot. The year before, they were pretty much identical. So, yeah, he's a three-point specialist, and that was obviously a good career move on his part. But anyhow, Al Jefferson, we're talking about the Timberwolves, not the Spurs. Randy Foy, very similar numbers to the night be- to the previous game. 13 points, he did start, of course. Seven assists, but three turnovers, so not so great. Uh, Sebastian Telfair, the other guard, the point guard, he was. They were talking about how he had one of the best assist-to-turnover ratios in the league of, of late, but not on this night. He had four assists and two turnovers, so it's pretty much 50% there. So that's not so great. Uh, one steal apiece for Randy Foy, Telfair, Jefferson Gomes, and McCants, the sixth man, McCants. Uh, Jefferson had 20, 28 points, five rebounds. I may have already said that. Yes, I did. I apologize. Brewer starts but only plays 12 minutes. And uh, it's just Randy Whitman's odd um, 
just chalks it up to Randy Whitman's odd player rotations again. Uh, I would have thought Brewer would be the kind of guy you want on the floor against San Antonio, but I guess not. It's, at, at least he gets some valuable experience. Ryan Gomes only musters seven points, five rebounds, though the good stat for him of the night, five assists. As Ryan Gomes is a multi-dimensional player, and he shows that on that day. Rashad McCants off the bench, though, 15 points and five rebounds, two assists, and uh, a steal, as I mentioned. Yarich playing time dwindling down to 23 minutes on this night, five points, but four, five personal fouls as well, so that's not so great. Uh, this was the night that Tony Parker, another, another player I hate, <laughs> as I see him to be very cocky. I, I've kind of never liked him. Really, he's kind of he has the same kind of cockiness as Mike Bibby does, and I know a lot of you NBA fans out there know what I'm talking about. I'm not just a fussy guy saying, "Oh, I hate him when they make their shots." It's more or less they're they're cocky players. Yeah, I just I don't like them. You know, I, I don't like them unless they're on our team. How about that? You know, if they're on our team, sure, that's great to have a guy like that, a, a guy with some bravado on your team. As the Wolves don't really have, well, they kind of do in Rashad McCants, but. He's not exactly Mr. Super Performer when you know when the game is on the line. Theo Ratliff, remember that name. Theo Ratliff finally returns. He plays 14 minutes, 10 seconds. Manages eight points, but he, unfortunately no blocks, as that's what he's been known for throughout his career. Only two rebounds, but hey, you know, only, only, you know, he only played 14 minutes. I don't expect major rebounding numbers from him. But, yeah, he played very well, three of four from the field. Uh, he had some nice little hook shots in the game. And he could he could be a factor for the Wolves the remainder of the year, but obviously not part of the long-term plan unless the Wolves want to ink him to a two-year, $4 million deal or something, you know, $2 million a year. I'm not so sure if he wants to do that or not. I wouldn't blame him if he just said, you know what, I'm I get injured way too much and I've made my money and I'm going to retire. I wouldn't be too surprised, but uh, yeah, if he is signable at that at a very cheap price, why not? He'd be a nice mentor to um, the Jeffer, you know, the Jeffersons and other new players that could come here. I have a phone ringing again in the background. I will be right back. Yeah, I really need to do something about that, as in like uh, take the phone away from the computer. That might be a good idea. Sorry again, guys out there. Um, but yeah, the last guy to mention in this game is Craig Smith who in only 13 minutes, 46 seconds, managed six points and six rebounds. So Craig Smith becoming a more and more of a factor, as my friend Marcus, the forecaster, the forecaster, <laughs> would say. Uh, yeah, Craig Smith is becoming a factor more and more, and um, he really wants the Timberwolves to keep him, as I do as well. And I'm almost starting to teeter-totter a little bit on the Ryan Gomes versus Craig Smith uh, debate, as it may come down to keeping only one of those two. I'm beginning to teeter-totter. I'm not so sure about if Gomes is the way better player between the two all the time. Some nights he is, some nights he isn't. You know, Craig Smith and Gomes kind of go back and forth. It, it would be nice if we could keep both of them, as they are, you know, different players in the main frame of things. Gomes is more of a semi-small forward. I guess you could say, whereas Craig Smith is pretty much only a power forward. All he does is post up. You're not going to see Craig Smith putting up a three-pointer or, uh, you know, hitting the mid-range jumper like Corey, Corey Brewer, like Ryan Gomes does. But um, we'll see what happens as the two of them are not really on the court very often together. 
Not very often because they're both undersized. If they're going to have a power forward, they're only both six foot seven. So it's ultimately very hard to say what's going to happen. And now for the final segment, or you could call it, of the show, we're going to talk the NBA trade deadline, what occurred, and um, the Wolves-related trade that occurred was Gerald Green, the guy I was mentioning, remember, two shows ago, episode two, I believe I was mentioning Gerald Green is going to get traded. And what happened? Yes, Gerald Green did get traded, and to his hometown Houston Rockets, Gerald Green gone to the Rockets for a second-round pick, Cash and Kirk Snyder. Now, he's a guy I'm not very familiar with, and that's for a reason, because he's not really really done anything much in the league. One major thing I did notice, though, is he was drafted in 2004 with the 16th pick. Now, remember who was drafted with the 15th pick that year? Al Jefferson. <laughs> so the Utah Jazz missed out on a guy who could have been a lot better than... Um, Kirk Snyder. So, too bad, Utah. I feel so bad for you. But anyhow, <laughs> that's a good thing that he didn't go to Utah, because I don't think Garnett would be there right now. Um, very happy to have Jefferson here. Uh, Kirk Snyder, a guy I'm not sure what they're going to do with. I'm really not. He He's an unre- he's a restricted free agent, just like Gerald Green would have been going into this summer. And, uh, yeah, this is what what he's calling an opportunity for him in the final month and a half. The only question is, what opportunity is that? Is he really going to get much playing time? Because they didn't want to play Gerald Green. Uh, Kirk Snyder only played in nine games this year. So he even got less playing time than Gerald Green did. So very hard to say what we're going to do. I think ultimately they just wanted to see what's going to happen. They figured Green's gone. He doesn't want to be here anymore because we're not playing him enough and he's sick of it. Unfortunately, though, what, what, did, what did Houston say? What does Houston say? Look at this article. Rumor, you know, not that it's really a rumor, but Rockets trade for Green, but he's unlikely to see the court. Okay, so that accomplished what for Gerald Green? Did it really accomplish anything? No. Um... The Rockets are pretty much going to check him out and see what he's going to see what he can do in practices, as the Wolves pretty much did that already. So I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know. The one the one good part for uh, Green there is that uh, there's a the GM of the Rockets, Daryl Morey, apparently knows Green from the from from Boston. So we'll see. I guess they uh, I guess he's more familiar with him and what he can do, but. Is it going to get anywhere? It's really hard to say. Like Kevin McHale said, three years from now, get back to me on if this was a bad idea or not getting rid of Green. Um, ultimately, there's no way you can really win in this because uh, other than if, like, say you sign, you know, versus signing Green for like $10 million a year or something and he sucks, yeah, that's where you could win by not doing that, I guess. <laughs> but the, the only thing you can do is either lose or break even, you know? Like, if, if green sucks, you break even. If green does great, you lose. So, because I don't think Kirk Snyder is the next, uh, you know, Bruce Bowen, or, the you know, you know being a defensive specialist, as they say, that's so he is. And I sure as hell don't think he's the next Tracy McGrady. Not that I even like McGrady, but talent-wise, I don't think he's one of those kind of guys. Um, even close, I don't think he's the next McCants. <laughs> But ultimately, yeah, that's the Wolves trade, and I've kind of rambled a little too much about that as there was one other massive trade. 
Well, two other massive trades. Jason Kidd finally going to Dallas. Obviously, that wasn't news as that was going on forever. It was a revised deal, you know, where uh, former Timberwolf Trenton Hassel and the retired Keith Van Horn were the new players sent to New Jersey, temporarily anyway, for uh, Keith Van Horn, the place where he started out, I believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, the lame, sucky Trenton Hassel, yeah, on another team, is I don't think anybody wants him because he's unproductive. So that's how it goes. And Jason Kidd, of course, went to Dallas where the Mavericks did whoop up on the Wolves yesterday. I'm get into that next week. Um, I figure I'll throw in the first two games for now because there's just too much to cover in a short time. Um, but, yeah, the other deal involved the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls, and the Seattle Supersonics. The Supersonics, not real super in the trade other than getting expiring contracts and older guys who aren't going to really take any playing time from the younger guys. Wally Zerbiak goes from Seattle to Cleveland where he played college ball. Well, not Cleveland, but Ohio. He played for Miami of Ohio. And Ben Wallace as uh, our buddy Cush, Brian Cush, who hosts the Bulls show. And um, he hated Ben Wallace, and I don't blame him because Ben Wallace totally let the Bulls down. Just completely completely screwed the Chicago Bulls the last year and a half as now he goes to Cleveland and of course plays good yesterday. What a surprise. (laughs) So I'm sure the Bulls are real happy with um, Ben Wallace at this point. The other major players involved in the deal were uh, Cleveland's Larry Hughes and Drew Gooden going to the Chicago Bulls. Um, I like Larry Hughes. I like Larry Hughes anywhere but Cleveland. So that's that's a good thing because Hughes just does – that was probably his most unproductive time in the league other than maybe his last year with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Larry Hughes not very good in Cleveland. He just was not the same player he was in Washington. His, Hughes played phenomenal in Washington. And uh, in, in uh, LeBron's shadow, he just it just wasn't wasn't a good work, wasn't a good fit for Larry Hughes. As now he goes to the Bulls. Unfortunately, he is going to come off the bench. I don't really see him being a starter there. So not really much not really much of an improvement in venue for Larry. But you never know. And Drew Gooden, I don't like. I I think he's weak. I really don't like him. He's really just another Joe Smith, just younger. So. Um, not the best trade of all time for the Chicago Bulls, but, yeah, other than getting rid of Ben Wallace, who, yeah, they couldn't stand him and they don't have to deal with his big, ugly contract anymore. So that's good. Other than that, yeah, that was an interesting trade, and the team that obviously got the most in return at this point is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Is They do have a shot to do something, as Ben Wallace at least gives them a more of a true power forward. Because he's not going to be the center in Cleveland, as Ilgaskas is the man, Mr. Z. Um, Cleveland Cavaliers also have that uh, have Zerbiak to come off the bench or start and be a nice spot-up shooter. As uh, we all remember Wally here in Minnesota, he was wonderful here, and that's where I believe he had his, I strongly believe his best run was here. His pretty much numbers would indicate that. Uh, if Wally could stay healthy, he could be a big factor for the Cavaliers, as I'm sure he will get more opportunities in Cleveland than in Seattle as they have totally a totally different uh, prerogative in Seattle than in uh, Cleveland. So ultimately we're going to see what happens over there in the improving Eastern Conference. Detroit phenomenal killing Phoenix yesterday. Um, Boston rallying to defeat the Portland Trailblazers as the Celtics shake off their little icky run there as I believe they lost three in a row including a whooping 
from the Phoenix Suns. So, uh, and yeah, it looks like those are the three main teams right now in the East. As Cleveland is probably going to become that third team. As the Magic, I don't really see being that long-term. I think they will get beat by a Cleveland or any of the previous two. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be an interesting stretch run. This is, again, my favorite time of the year, the final year and a half of the NBA season, as that's all they're going to be talking about most of the time on ESPN, other than maybe a little golf chatter, and I hope they don't get into that too much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, enjoy this time of year, NBA fans, as this is your time, our time, uh, as these trades could make these teams very good. The Celtics didn't make a trade, but they're great. <laughs> and the uh, the Lakers... It looks like, a, to me, I still think it's going to be um, Boston and L.A. I do think that's going to be the finals right now, as it could bring back a little old memories, the old Lakers-Celtics. It'll be quite different. It's not exactly Magic and Bird, but it's going to be a lot of fun because they are very talented groups of players on both teams. So with that, we are going to close another 45-plus-minute show as there's always a lot to cover on this show because we are never one-dimensional. Again, please, please sign up for thesportstuff.com on the message boards. Please sign up. Please get a screen name and sign up, and let's chatter. Let's get this thing off the ground. Let's go. Let's ride this thing to the moon, baby, as uh, thesportstuff.com. This is Paladino Live, and we will talk to you very soon.